A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to Cocoons of Horror. Today we revisit the most advanced infomercial for the American spirit ever made, Rocky IV. More montage than movie, Rocky IV sends classic film hero Rocky Balboa to Russia in the peak of the Cold War to step in the ring to battle communism. Also, there is a robot that plays a Kenny Loggins song. <laughs> is it really? Is, is it actually Kenny Loggins or is it a cover of Kenny Loggins? It's a Kenny Loggins and Gladys Knight duet. <laughs> With me, as always, to break this all down is Dr. Anthony Ladon. I feel like they should have given the robot a name. I mean, he he's he's a really important part of this movie. Or she, I suppose I should say. <laughs> well, in the beginning, it's a guy. Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> Hello? Hearts on fire. Strong desire. Not exactly the eye of the tiger, is it? <laughs> it's not. Uh, and yet, it's perfect for this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, this is the Survivor song that Rocky IV deserves. <laughs> Steve, do you got an elevator pitch for this movie? U-S-A. U-S-A. <laughs> okay, my elevator pitch goes a slightly different direction. Hmm. We'll need maybe like a three-floor journey up the elevator to make this happen. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So famous Italian alienates his wife, kills his best friend, sets an AI loose in Philadelphia, then becomes a communist sympathizer. (laughs) You like it? You want to buy my movie? (laughs) Here's the thing. I do. And then when you give me this, I'm like, wait a minute. This is not what we talked about in the elevator, sir. It's like, no, this is exactly what we talked about in the elevator. <laughs> you just have to read this a little differently. <laughs> I feel like you should have mentioned something about the fact that the brother-in-law absolutely had sex with a robot. <laughs> All right. I got tons of tons of thoughts about Polly, uh, but I don't, I don't feel that we're quite there yet. Because uh, I think yeah. I think Polly's going to be a big part of this podcast, uh, but we we need to get a few. Polly's yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to resist. I mean, there's 
There was an emotional anchor to this film. It's Polly. Oh, absolutely. Oh, all right. Uh, let's get a few particulars <laughs> out of the way first. Um, what is your history with this film, Steve Osborne? Um, it's funny because so you uh, you know that Rocky holds a special spot in my heart, like the original film. Well, uh, uh, so much so. Just an anecdote from this year. I was back in Sonoma County. I was at my parents' house. I had my 14-year-old son. I said, hey, we should watch Rocky. Oh, he asked me. I want to watch Rocky. I said, yeah, we'll watch Rocky. I, let me text Steve. Hey, Steve, we're about to watch the first Rocky. Uh, do you want to come over and watch it? And you said, uh, when? I said, when can you get here? And you said, I'll be there in 10 minutes. You were there in seven minutes. <laughs> wearing a Rocky training robe. Yeah, the original Shamrock Meat uh, company. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's how much you love Rocky. All right, continue, please. Yeah, so Rocky, so, uh, and, and when I was young, I mean, look, so this is what, 85, right? Absolutely. Um, So I don't think I saw it when it came out. Interesting, okay. I don't, I mean... I don't recall being in the theater for it. All right. Because, I mean, I was, you know, being nine years old, I don't know that I, I but I, I for sure watched it when it was available any other way. Mm -hmm. In fact, this might have been the first Rocky movie I actually had seen. Yeah, it, it was my first Rocky movie that I had seen, but I will let you continue your journey. So it's funny because, so I think I figured, okay, I get it. This is Rocky. Yeah, yeah, and right. it, I mean, and, and, and at this time, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, yeah, we don't we, earthquake drills and and we hate Russia. I mean, those are things you just sort of like learn, and in California in the in the mid eighties. Yeah, I mean, there there might have been like Jesus is great in there, too. Uh, Transformers, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, all no, all that half the battle. Yeah, um, but this was definitely one of like the top two or three staples of being a kid in the eighties. Right. Yeah. And so I, it's, and I, so I think Rocky four, like it was interesting, like Rocky had gotten a pretty bad rap at this point in terms of the series. Like w will it ever end? Cause I don't think we had seen like, I don't know how, how many movies had gone to four. Right. I mean, outside of like maybe like horror films. Right. Um, right. And so, and because Rocky had, you know, I mean, Best Picture, you know, it was such a, uh, a a magnificent start, and then it felt like you know it kind of got criticized as, as just a cash grab, right? Well, so and you my... know what, this is sort of a becomes a parody of itself um, because you know there were like you know people were joking like you know Rocky Eleven, Rocky right. fights yeah, yeah. Godzilla or something. So yeah, exactly. So that was just sort of the, the, the so my introduction to Rocky was kind of a negative one, right? I mean mm -hmm. it's. Kind of a kind of a bit of a joke in some ways. Um, this was not well received critically, but as a kid, I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure I'm finding what's wrong with it. <laughs> this is a per what are you talking about? This is a perfect movie for a ten year old boy. This is the perfect oh, yeah. movie, right? Right, and it's uh, and it, especially in the time too, because it's the the MTV influence is very clear in the directing. Um, because uh, it's just there's so much music and there's and and most of it feels like a music video. Um, yeah, this is a 90 minute montage with the the movie sprinkled in just for some spice, right. right? Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and so uh, it so it does hit all the right notes, right? It's like it's for if you've got um, a little bit of ADD going on, this movie's not gonna gonna be a trudge. It's <laughs> well, what could, what I mean, could you want more? You the hero wins at the end. He doesn't just beat the villain; he beats communism. You know, he right. he beats he, the Soviet <laughs> Union. On top of he that, converts, <laughs> he converts he converts an entire nation to capitalism. So yeah, right. And then you've got, you know, he's rich. He's got a servant robot. I mean, he's got a Lamborghini. This guy's got everything that you could ever ask for. He's living the American dream. If you're a kid, you're a ten year old kid in the eighties, yeah, and you're gonna tell me that this guy has a Lamborghini, which you don't know if it's a real car. You think it's fiction. You have a robot. Everything. He's got it all. He's got sweet uh, red, white, and blue shorts. <laughs> and you know what? He's still there to help out the common man. You know, he helps the horse out of that river in the backwoods of Siberia. And uh, so, he, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't lost his touch. He's still a little, he's look, still he, got the Philadelphia streets in his He blood. washes his own car. <laughs> Oh, man, is this movie built for a 10-year-old boy. All right, let me tell you my history with this movie. Uh, This was the first movie I snuck into. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, we hung out near the exit door, and um, we snuck past two adults that were leaving the prior showing, and they laughed at us because they knew exactly what we were doing. So shout out to those folks wherever you are in the world. You know, you, you brought... They're dead. You brought a 10-year-old boy's dreams to life. Uh, This was Jeff's second time he watched the movie. Uh, He wanted to go again. He brought me. We brought gummy worms. We licked them. We threw them at the screen and booed the Russian. (laughs) That was my experience of this movie. It was amazing. And I will say this, and this gets us right in the movie. Um, having not seen any of the previous films, it was quite a jarring experience to see Mr. T right up front and he's a bad guy. He's fighting, he's fighting Rocky. He's clearly a bad guy, right? Clubber Lang. Right, cause, Cause you haven't seen three. Of them, I have right? not seen three and I, there's no explanation for why Mr. T's a bad guy. He looks like Mr. T. He's got the mohawk, you know. He looks just like Mr. T. And I, and Mr. T is like a hero of mine because of the A team, right? You know, he's he can do no wrong in my mind. He has a cereal for God's sake. It, exactly. And so when I'm seeing him on the that's screen, like, that's, that's like watching Tony the Tiger be a villain. You're right. like, come on, <laughs> this is insane. This is this is nuts. So when I saw him on the screen, it was like the first thing you see in this movie. Uh, I I was scandalized. I, I didn't know what to think. I, I didn't know that Mr. T could be a bad guy. And and is this going to change my opinion of Mr. T going forward? Am I ever going to be able to watch the A-Team again? I remember being scandalized by that opening scene. And I rewatched this last night. Same feeling came back. Right. <laughs> Side note here. Did you ever see DC Cab with Mr. T? I have not. No. No, see, I remember as a kid... Like 
I go into the video store, and then there it was, DC Cab, which had featured Mr. T prominently on the uh, on the cover. Sure. And I was like, I want to get this movie. My mom's like, it's rated R. You can't see it. And I'm like, why? It's got Mr. T. And it's like, it's rated R. Like, the, we had this sort of, like, weird conversation about, like, like she was disappointed in Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> you let us down. You let yeah, us so down, Mr. Mr. T. We, we had such high hopes for your career. It wasn't just you that that put Mr. T on a pedestal. I mean, apparently my mom was just just could was just just scandalized at the idea that Mr. T would be in a movie that might have boobs in the F word. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, is Ivan Drago the best supervillain name of all time? And now the entrance of the Russian national champion. Ivan Drago, a man with an entire country in his corner. So good. It is so good. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I, Ivan Drago is great on its own. And then when you, then you just shorten it to Drago. And he, you can't, right. you can't say it without saying it Russian. It's impossible. I've tried. All right. So you know how much I love dragons, right? So like yeah. Dr- Drago is, is sort of like evocative of that. There's no way it's it's a Russian name, right? <laughs> that is not a Russian name. Uh, that, that's sort of like, you know, like a Game of Thrones name for sure. Or Harry Potter name. Right. And then you just, what do we need for a first name? I don't know. Let's just throw Ivan on there because right. why not? Like that is the stereotypical <laughs> name for a Russian. The the effort put into understanding Russian culture is very uh, it, it's revelatory of how much we knew our own enemy. Oh, I mean, goodness. it's this it's it's such a mishmash. I mean, this I and mean, there's so much to talk about in this movie, and it and I know I know you like to keep things focused, but it would be doing the movie uh, injustice if we tried to be focused when it had no interest in doing so in <laughs> in, in presenting its its art to us. I mean, this movie forgets itself throughout the entirety of the movie. Go on. I mean, this movie sets up to be like, like there are moments where they're like, oh, like maybe American hubris is being put to the test here. Nope. <laughs> no. Like it seemed like it was there. It's like for a while there, you're like, oh, well, maybe I am sort of like you know, because I mean, Apollo and and is it, it really just makes it, we makes America look super bad. Yeah. And then later, it's like, nah, that was a different movie. That was like forever ago. And it's like, Rocky, you killed Apollo. <laughs> His blood is on your hands. And so it's like, well, you know, this is a really, really big moment in in my personal life. I I, I sat by and I, I let my friend perish uh, when I had the opportunity to save him. Well, I guess I better go fight the Russian on Christmas for free. <laughs> That's the only logical course of action. And even his wife is just like, well, all right. <laughs> I mean, it's just the whole thing is. Well, it's like, she's pretty th- passive aggressive about it. But, you know, I mean. And well, at one point she gets pretty aggressive about it. She, you can't win. She gets really <laughs> aggressive and he's going to do it anyway. And so she decides you're going to get the silent treatment for the next. Everything is like, man, this is like. Who am I rooting for? <laughs> Adrian's like, like I'm going to sit out for every montage here while you're li- while you're in the car thinking over your life. I'm going to be stewing upstairs. I I need to talk a little bit more about Drago here. He he was the perfect villain for a ten year old boy. I mean, this guy 
the whole movie is meant to establish that he is more machine than man, right? Mm-hmm. Right. He this guy has like the top technology that the USSR can come up with. Right. Uh, his hair is perfect. It's just like you know for, that's the hair that I, I wish that I could I could have. You know, being a young Italian, he's, he's a sculpture. He's a he's he's a Greek god. This guy. But he's a Greek god built with cyborg Russian technology. Right. And they do so much. You know, a lot of his training is sort of set in like a red light. And Mm -hmm. he's got this massive arena that he's working on. He's got like two dozen Russian scientists around the clock monitoring him and, you know, giving him the best steroids Available. He's a subject, right? He's not. He's not. A, a, oh he's yeah, made to be a per not a person, right? He's he's completely detached. Yeah, he's, he's like an X Men villain who was built in the lab, you know. Yeah, yeah. So and they do that very carefully, right? They give absolutely. him such little dialogue. They they he does he almost one look the entire time. Um, oh gosh, they really. Polly's they really robot the has more out. lines than Drago, right? In this film. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and, not a joke. And, and that's a, that's real, you know, and more more emotion and more range. Uh, it's uh, it's something because like it's really clever what they do in this propaganda film that we uh, just watched is uh, you take the human right out of the villain, right, mm-hmm. and 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 you just pour nothing but humanity in, into Rocky. Oh yeah, and I mean they throw the kitchen sink of humanity at Rocky and. And you, well, it also kind of shows like I have a different I have a po- different possible reading of this film. I'll tell you later, but it does kind of show like the different uses of technology, like the height of Soviet technology. What do they build? They build the perfect system to advance the evolution of their species. What do the Americans build? They build a sex robot. That, that's that. <laughs> It really right. does well, show you the difference between these two cultures. Right. Well, neither one is going to perpetuate the species, right? Because one is essentially creating a weapon and the other one is just, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just a, it's just an absolute vessel for, for yeah, I mean, you know, you, you do the math. I don't know. I'd like to see, I want to see the little cyborg creatures that come out of, does the, does the robot have a name? Does, is the robot ever given a name in this film? I don't think so. Interesting. Um, I watch that an awful lot, and pretty much every scene with the robot for me is is, is worth a worth a rewatch. Um, but yeah, so it's it's fascinating too because it's like as a kid, it's, there's so much inc- incongruity with this, and this is why this is like such a propaganda film is because you you establish you, you create a uh, you know the the two visions the the two contrast of. Uh, of Rocky's training and uh, and Drago's training, and it's sort of backwards compared to how we're told the Russia is like when we're when we were younger. It was like Russia; they're all waiting in line for bread. Mm. You know, it's the it's the problem with communism. So what they do is they create. So the narrative is you know that we grew up with was that we are superior in every way, but this film also wants to create that America is the underdog. Mm-hmm. That yeah, yeah. Uh, so that it's easier to rally behind, right? Let you know. Not only is he this. Look at all the technology that it's taken from. But look, we've got the heart. 
Yeah. We have a heart of oh, a that, champion. That right? is so, exactly what Polly says. He says, you're all heart, Rock. And that that's yeah. exactly the message of this film. He's he's all heart, and the Russian is a, a, a rat. He's like a super rat built in a lab. Right. And so it's an interesting thing. But then at the same time, you also do these things where it's like, where, like I said, the American hubris is on display through uh, the spectacular James Brown event. Um, well, this was also my introduction to James Brown. But right. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you finish, right. but I have a few thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it, yeah, so you've got, so it seems like the movie's trying to tell a different story, and then it tells a different story. <laughs> so it's really, it's really something, because you're like, wait, are we doing this now? Wait, is that what we're doing now? And we, we're, so we're not going to deal with the inner turmoil of Rocky. Because like the thing is, is you look at the original Rocky, and I think it is important to sort of walk the journey to four. and Because I think it's important um, to understand why maybe people had given up on the Rocky series yeah. at this point. Is you get Rocky, which is an amazing love story, uh, underdog story, where it's essentially it's the same kind of thing, right? We're looking at an exhibition. Um, Apollo Creed is this, uh, you know, egotistical, you know, wealthy boxer who's going to do an exhibition. So they just sort of pick somebody uh, that represents Philadelphia for an Independence Day type, uh, type, type. Yeah, you fight. get the sense with Rocky One that he's just a really lonely guy. I mean, he's a guy that doesn't bring anything to the table except the ability to take a punch. That's kind of like his. That's thing. right. And then at the end of the film. What does he win? He doesn't win the match. He wins the love of his countrymen. That that's sort of it. You know, he, he he get he he takes the one thing that he's good at and and he and he and he beats the odds. Yeah. He goes the distance. That's the whole point. I just want to go the distance. And it's and that becomes a metaphor for not just going the distance in boxing, but he wants to go the difference in distance in life. He wants to yeah, yeah. he wants to have the full life experience and that's where Adrian comes in and so that's why it's just such like they 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 fall in love and it's a that's that's sort of that sort. So then you get to Rocky 2. Also Rocky two a was, few turtles thrown in there. There's Cuff and Link. Let's not forget Cuff and Link. All right. So all right. Yeah. Rocky 2. So then you get to Rocky 2 and Rocky 2 does it, it definitely has the feeling of hey, you liked Rocky, you'll like him again. Yeah. So they try to recapture some of that magic, but it definitely now we're in the sequel zone, right? I mean, we have some amazing work by Carl Weathers, uh, especially when he's reading the hate mail. Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> we just says, go kill yourself. And he just throws the, the, the letter. Like somebody just wrote hate mail to mm -hmm. Apollo Creed telling him to kill himself. <laughs> It's just I don't know why that scene always gets me. And then but you do get the the classic scene there where uh Mickey's training him to chase the chicken. If you could catch a chicken, you're faster than Greek lightning. I mean it's just like this great scene. And uh and so it's fine, but then it ends with the like they the double knockdown yeah. and it's like the it becomes very much wrestling who will first one to stand wins and so Rocky yeah. wins and it's kinda like that always that always is like, all right, now we're kinda And in case you don't want to rewatch that movie. They will show clips from that movie in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you get to three. Three is, now three feels super 80s. Three is for sure where, like, it's like we are we are cashing in. Um, but three has a really good story. I, I, I stand by three. I, it is very much 80s. It is not as character involved maybe as mm -hmm. the first one and, and even the second one. But the story is really interesting because you find out that Rocky's been this 
this champion for a long time, but he's uh, being protected by Mickey and fighting uh, people that are not real contenders. And that's why they're reluctant to fight Clubber Lang, because Clubber Lang is a real contender, and they know that uh, not only would he potentially lose, but this might this might really damage him. Cause and he's got some... I, let me just also say Thunderlips. Thunderlips, yes. So this I just want to say that name, Thunderlips. That's all I want to say. <laughs> Hulk Hogan and Mr. T in the same film, and it's a Rocky movie. Um, and I believe there's a Trans Am. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty straightforward stuff. Um, but of course, you know, you get your melodrama, and then he, he learns to become a new type of boxer because, uh, you know, uh, the song "Eye of the Tiger" exists, and so, so Apollo trains him to be faster, and, and so that's the thing. It's like he was always a guy that could mm-hmm. just take a punch, and he was, and that was sort of his thing. But now he's like turning him into an actual boxer. So now we're like, hmm, does that make a lot of sense? Well, he's cut, <laughs> he's super ripped because uh, you know Rambo is coming out, so yeah. we have that. So then we get to Rocky Four, and Rocky Four is like, whatever, <laughs> just whatever. It, Russia, sure. Um, well, Apollo's- I think with Rocky Four, you could, you could mail it in. You could easily say something like, "Well, we know this sells. Let's just give them the same story over again." What this movie says is, "You liked Rocky. Let's give him the biggest stage possible." He's going to fight a Russian for no money. This is all about country. Right. This is not about any kind of personal success. He might die. He even says, I might die. He almost becomes sort of the avatar for the entire country in Rocky IV. And guess which of these movies makes the most money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. this one. This one sure. outgrosses the one that won Best Picture. Oh, for sure. So this, yeah, this is this is quite a moment. It's sort of, sort of like the pinnacle of Rocky meets the pinnacle of American hubris. Yeah, and to be clear, if people, you know, I mean, there's there's two more Rocky films, then you get into the Creed world. But just to be clear, after this movie, it was pitched that there would be a movie where Rocky dies in the ring and has to fight God to get into heaven. This is not a joke. This is the trajectory that made sense. And of course, huh. if you were going to follow the, if you're going to uh-huh. go, go, well, you beat Mr. T and you beat Russia. Uh-huh. There's only one big boss left. My gosh, that's amazing. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't know how far that got, but I know that that was. You want to talk about elevator pitch? I just get, I need a moment to let this sink in for a minute cuz I feel like I need this movie. Like I I really feel like this there's a there's a missed opportunity here. Can we can we not still do, do this movie? I think we still could. I mean I I've enjoyed the Creed iterations, but come on. What what is stopping Stallone from doing this movie right now? Get Gibson on the phone. <laughs> You could have you have you find it's like an Avengers type universe where you find out that Rocky and the Passion all, mm-hmm. also share the same same universe. So, who do we cast as God in this film? Um, probably Michael Caine. <laughs> I would like it to be. I mean, I think that Rocky's projection of God would be Italian. Uh, just you know, you see God however you see God, right? So my feeling is that like if you're gonna cast 
God in this film, it's got to be like CGI Brando or something like that. <laughs> Just an amalgam of of the uh, clubber and hey, we've already got Drago. the CGI Brando uh, footage from the Superman. That's true iteration. So that I think that has something. There's something there for sure. And at one point, I think Brando should talk about being a contender in that film. It just he has to fight all the boxers through history. <laughs> Cinematic, he's got to fight De Niro from Raging Bull. All right, so... If there were no montages, this movie is seven minutes long. <laughs> there was a montage of training, followed by a montage of training. Well, okay, so this is awesome, because uh, I was. this is the first Cocoons of Horror film that my wife and son watched with me. Was that right? Yeah, I, I I said tonight I'm gonna have to watch Rocky Four, and she says, "Oh, I watched that movie at Jenna Payne's birthday party in you know fourth grade." I thought, "Yeah, that sounds about right." Uh, you know, this is this was played at a a young girl's birthday party. <laughs> it's wild to think sleepover about. birthday party, and she she sat down. She I, I was kind of waiting. She said I might go to bed earlier. Like, hey, uh, I'm just gonna watch this movie. And she stuck around. And then, wow. all right, so then earlier that day, I was telling my son, hey, son, do you want to watch something that's, uh, you know, change your life? You can sit down <laughs> and watch Rocky IV with me. He's like, ah. You know, he's he's super responsible. He's like, I don't know, Dad. I got some other stuff. I got some homework to do, and I really want to get to bed early. This is the kind of 15-year-old I'm raising in my house. What an indictment on the Rocky series. <laughs> and then... He gets back from walking the dog, and he's he kind of like looks at this thing mesmerized. It was right before the first training montage, and he sits down. His his eyes are glued to the screen. He's like, I know I gotta go do other things. I just I've gotta watch this. <laughs> and there is a montage where he's training in Russia. Then finally, Adrian comes back. They they've established they love each other. They missed each other. Then right to the next montage, and my wife says, did you skip ahead? Nope. <laughs> That's what they decided to do in this movie. Right after the training montage, Adrian shows up. It's a very cliche moment. Right. Uh, right after the cliche moment. I got right the sense back, they were cold. <laughs> right back to like a full five minutes of montage. Yep. Fa- fantastic job. You knew that the American public would want to see a four-minute training montage followed by a five-minute tra- training montage. Yeah, right. and, and it's not like that's our first montage, by the way. I mean, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's really something, too, because it does that trick where you're like, I'm so somehow... I mean, it's crazy. I don't... I mean, this movie is bad. <laughs> this movie is... Dog shit. It's it's it's, it's the it's, most awesome dog shit you'll ever watch. Right, and I'm I'm like the first half. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this movie's so bad. And then you somehow get locked in. I mean, at least I Some, do. somehow because I was I was really laughing hard. And at one point, my my son said, "Dad, I've never seen you laugh this hard." And I'll I'll tell you <laughs> what it was in a bit, but. Okay, so you're watching, like, we're all, like, laughing hard at how stupid it is. And yet, we all kind of got locked in. It was sort of like, yeah. 
holy moly, I gotta see how this ends. My son could not leave the couch. It's like voodoo. It's like, Rocky Four is voodoo. You you know it's kind of bad for you, mm-hmm. but you are so ensorcelled you cannot look away. Well, it's like I have cookies in my house, and I'm also uh, in terrible shape. And I, I'll spend a good portion of my morning uh, in front of reflective surfaces, reminding me that I just need to get my act together. <laughs> and and I think about that, and I think about what I'm going to do better through, you know, what could I do? Okay, I do this different, I do that, maybe do a little exercise today, I'll do this, I'll eat better, give me a salad. And then, like, a few minutes later, I walk by the, the pantry, and I see cookies, I'm like, so I made some cookies. <laughs> Forgetting that I just killed Apollo, I'm now the hero of my own story. <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, I'm gonna. He, I mean, he lets him die. Like the whole setup. That's the thing. Is that's it's a tale of two very different movies. Mm-hmm. This movie sets up with with uh, Rocky desperately trying to to convince Apollo that he doesn't have to chase this, uh, you know, chase the dragon of mm-hmm. of your of your your old self, right? And 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 Apollo is telling him like, you know, we can't change. You know, we we are who we are, and. And you know, Rocky yeah, that's has a a, that's sort of the, like the theme that is established. It's it's all about right. change. Uh, can we change? Is it possible to change? Right, and so that's an important element that certainly shows up later, but in a very different way than you might expect. Because <laughs> I mean, you have you have this whole concept of like we can't change, can't change, can't change. Like, Look, sometimes you got to change, you know, become normal people, you know. But Apollo is, you know, he's a he is shown as a cautionary tale. Yeah. Rocky is supposed to be this voice of reason, and then he's and he even up until the last second he's there. At, he's like, you can just back out of the exhibition fight. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. great, great, like, great coaching, Rocky. Great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great just coaching. right up, right, right up until he's getting like he just put the tape on his hands, and he says, you know, you haven't fought like in five years. You know? <laughs> this is your pep talk. Yeah, exactly. Just so you know, like you're gonna be, you're gonna do real bad out there, you know. I mean, this is also so, about Apollo's hubris. Just to think, I right. don't need a real coach, right? I need and, the and, guy that it, I taught how to box to now teach me how to box. This is this but, is not a great decision by Apollo. But but there there's there's a part of this movie that feels like it's going to be like it has the potential to be a very interesting and potentially powerful movie in this time frame because. Apollo is sort of representing this USA, uh, you know, American exceptionalism. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to reason. I'm I'm going to underestimate my enemy. All of these things, right? And the pageantry and the pomp and circumstance, the things that would be like the cautionary tale that I talked about that could also be for America. Look, if we want to win, if we want to still be a, a superpower as as a nation. You know, we need to we need to understand who we are, how we've changed. Mm-hmm. We need to adapt, like all that stuff. It seems like that is like the the foundation is set for a very uh, interesting Rocky film, and then he fights and he's getting killed, and Rocky can stop it. And they're everybody is telling Rocky to not let Apollo die. And At one point, on the Duke towel. says, "Throw the goddamn towel!" <laughs> and he sits there for another beat just to see that last punch thrown, and he right. drops the towel. It's not even like I was in the motion of throwing in the towel. He yeah. he could have. It wasn't the like fight. the towel got caught on something. <laughs> he was trying to throw it and <laughs> got tangled up. 
you know no he doesn't he just sits there against his i mean i understand that apollo like because you even have a moment like he could throw the towel now he's got to deal with that uh issue and mm-hmm. blah, blah blah you know all these different things could have happened but he doesn't so you so now it's like wow this movie got even more complicated how is he going to have to deal with the demons of letting his good friend die what does this do to the relationships of everyone around him oh nothing oh okay let's go fight no it cuts right from he dies on the mat Let's go to the funeral. He says, I'll never forget you. <laughs> and then we all do. And then the entire nation immediately forgets Apollo. <laughs> it's just weird. It's such a weird okay, move. Okay, I, then... I think it's time. All right, I've got, a, I've got an alternative fan theory on this. All right. I've not seen this anywhere. This is, this is a LaDawn original. And I don't know... How you're gonna take this? Because I feel like a little bit sacrilegious even to suggest it. Um, but it does help me make better sense of the movie. Are you ready for this? Uh, I am locked in. Okay. <clears throat> Mikhail Gorbachev, who, by the way, rest in peace, Miguel. I, I can finally reveal your secrets. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev <laughs> goes to Rocky. He says. I've got an idea for healing the rift between our countries. Um, I, I'm going to need you to fight to a draw our great champion, Ivan Drago. And, I, and then I, I want you to make a speech. And that's going to heal our nation. Rocky says, how much will you pay me? He says, how much do you want? Rocky says, I want a robot. So we've already established that the, all of the technology is in Russia, right? So where does Rocky get the robot? I think he gets it from the Russians. And that is why Rocky accepts no payment to fight. He's already got his payment. Okay. And then Rocky says, here's what I want to do. I want to get Apollo Creed out of my way. I'm tired of living in this guy's shadow. We need to set up a situation where Drago kills Apollo. And Gorbachev says, if that's what I got to do to heal the rift between our countries, that's exactly what I'm going to do. They set the whole thing up. Rocky decides not to throw in the towel so that he can get Apollo out of the way. He goes to Russia. He decides he's going to do exactly what Gorbachev wants. But when he gets into it, he thinks, I can't fight this guy to a draw. I've got to knock him out. He knocks him out, which confuses Gorbachev a little bit, which is why he's always looking over at the other guy. You know, what's going on, what's going on here? But he decides to make the speech anyway. And the crowd's shouting Rocky, and so Gorbachev's like, hey, this worked. This worked in my the favor. It worked. I can't believe it. It worked out. And he stands up, starts slow clapping. By the way, inventing the slow clap, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and Rocky V doesn't exist in my mind. It's not canon. Never happened. In my head canon, Rocky stays in Russia and defects. <laughs> that, is my <laughs> that is my alternative reading of this film. Well, this is that's really something. And uh, I'm I'm more just all I heard was uh, Rocky Four invented the slow clap. <laughs> and I'm and I can't I can't even argue against that. 
that's why I think he he wanted to kill Apollo. He conspired with Gorbachev to make that happen. He got he got a robot out of the deal, and he defects to Russia. And I'm pretty sure that the reason why the robot was necessary is he knew he was going to defect to Russia, and he needed some figure to raise his son. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> And it wouldn't make any less sense than the movie did. <laughs> no, it it absolutely makes better sense of this movie, for sure. Because there's no, I mean, the Russians are at well, one point portrayed as like, ah, oh, they're getting picked on. And then then they're, then they're bad, but not all of them. But then it's like, well, you know, Ivan Drago is just, he does, he, he's not a human, he's just sort of a machine. But then at the end, you're like, oh, he's... He's he's being told what to do, okay, and so yeah. maybe maybe there is something about that. And then he's like, "No, I fight for me." And then now he's, yeah, yeah right, right, uh. right. No, and I and I do want to say, in all seriousness, as a ten year old watching this film, there was a moment, and I remember distinctly feeling this moment when Drago says, "He's not soft. He's like a piece of iron." Hmm. My jaw dropped. I thought. I cannot believe it. I, this guy is built in a lab, and he is saying that Rocky's iron. It it was it was like all of my emotions that I had ever experienced as a ten year old reached a pinnacle at that moment, and I just felt like, yeah, America is exceptional. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> the unbreakable spirit of America. And that was it, right? He just he was just taking taking so many punches, which by the way are now triple uh the PSI of a normal heavyweight punch. Um right. He can punch a full ton. Right. He can he can punch a ton. And here's what we learned. Rocky can take a ton of punches. And uh, <laughs> I would have, you know, I would have been great to see like one montage where the, he was just like tried, I don't know, protecting his face on occasion. <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's an amazing window into in, into a, a time for sure. And it is it's an absolute mess. I mean, it is just an absolute mess. But then when it gets to the third act, you're like, you just they know exactly what levers to pull and mm-hmm. buttons to push because you're like yep here we go and i'm finding myself like yeah man get them yeah okay so so there's there's two things for sure that we have to spend some time on one of the aforementioned poly yeah we're gonna get there i, I need to ask you a couple questions before we get to poly hmm. is the bearded stallone the best stallone oh yeah I mean, when he came in with a beard, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is actually quite attractive. I, I think yeah. you should always be wearing that beard. At one point, I told my wife, I think Rocky's beard is taking steroids. Because it's just, <laughs> it's a very strong beard, for sure. A very strong beard. Okay. Yeah, and I'm a little disappointed he didn't have the beard in the ring. Yeah, wh- why I think, not? I think, I think that could have added to the, you know, sort of that that contrast, especially because of how you know clean uh um drago is and to have a certain mm-hmm. amount of that like ooh, i'm gonna you know like maybe if adrian's just, you know there could have been a perfect opportunity like hey keep the beard <laughs> okay you like it all right next question here what's the best nickname uh italian stallion the siberian bull or the count of monte fisto <laughs> 
Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, the Italian sign is so classic, but the Count of Monte Fisto feels like something that um, we would have heard in, uh, you know, like, uh, was it Chris Berman on uh, <laughs> yeah, ESPN? Right. No, I was going to say Count of Monte Fisto for sure. Um, I do, I, I will note that when Apollo is talking to Rocky, he says stallion like 19 times. Oh, I know. Like, it's it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where my wife is saying, does he know his real name? <laughs> like, well, Stallion. Like, they're supposed Stallion. to be best friends. I, 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 I'm I pretty sure he doesn't know his name is Rocky. Um, All right, now let me throw this at you. What is the all right, kind of manifesto? But at one point, Drago gets a new nickname in this movie, Death From Above. Yeah. And so then the question is, is does that now now that that's in the mix, do you think that that supplants Count of Monte Fisto? Yeah, it's a pretty good one. I mean, that's a and I'm assuming it's because he's just so tall. Right. And he just punches down <laughs> and he and he just killed Apollo. Right. Right. <laughs> so that, that'll do it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think Count of Monte Fisto is great just because the Count of Monte Fisto just sounds like, yeah, that, that's that's an official title right there. Yeah. I mean, I it also could be like the name of a porn. Okay. Speaking of porn, all right, let's talk about Polly. Yeah. Um, hmm. Look, here's where a, to there's begin? a lot of th- where to begin. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that are that are hard to believe in this film. Like it's hard to imagine that uh, this exhibition match would would not have gotten stopped, at, whether Rocky threw the towel or not. Uh, it's hard to imagine that an entire nation would uh, turn. Uh, towards their their enemy, especially uh, in the situation like they presented Russia, it's hard to believe that Rocky would would just fight for free. I mean, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that are hard to believe, but there is nothing harder to believe than Polly knows how to reprogram a robot. <laughs> Polly Polly becomes a a computer programmer, um, somewhere off screen in this film. Enough so that he can turn a servant robot into a sex robot and fall in love with it. She loves me. She loves me. It's and then all of a the sudden robot. she the, the robot evolves. It, it, it's sort of like they have their little honeymoon period, and then when <laughs> when Polly's leaving, she's like nagging him like she's his wife. <laughs> It's like the it's honeymoon's amazing. over. This robot's no longer impressed with you, Polly. <laughs> right. Given you know, knowing how impressive you were at the beginning. There's an unseen montage where her and the toaster are having a conversation. The toaster's telling her that, you know, you can do better. I don't know why you're still with him. <laughs> oh goodness. All right, now I I don't want to depress you, Steve. Mm-hmm. I read something today. And I I hope it's not true, but I think that Stallone has said in an interview that when this movie is re-released, the robot scenes will be taken out. Why on earth would you? That's like when John Cougar Mellencamp dropped the cougar. (laughs) I don't understand. Like, this movie's already way too short. Honestly, those... That robot... That robot is integral to this film. It's like robot. It's like taking R two D two out of Star Wars. I don't understand what the thought is here. 
I mean, without the robot, I don't really get the, I, you know, I know Polly doesn't want to be in a place where there's no room service and everything, but I, the sense that I got is that the reason he's pining to not be where he's at in Russia is because he wants to get back to, he wants to get back to his love. <laughs> I mean, the robot is friends with the kid because, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, because even we see his, the kids, you know, we see Rocky Jr.'s friends and uh, they're only his friends because he's got money. I mean, oh, absolutely! You know those, he's all excited those, that you his dad's on TV. And he's like, he's like, that's my dad. Like, what do you think we are nerds? Like, I mean, they're already on him. Of course, they know who his dad is. Interesting Christmas Day, right? Like, I mean, the kids are at his house mm-hmm. and they're all out in their polo shirts. You know, they're watching, watching the the dad maybe die. Like, that's the other yeah, part of this. That's right. that's Mom's right. not home. <laughs> he's being watched by a robot. And the kids are like, hey, can we go over to, to the Balboa so we can maybe watch the dad die on TV? This is what I'm saying. This is why my theory holds water. That robot <laughs> is probably the only sentient being taking care of these kids. That robot's a nuke. <laughs> it's a Trojan nuke. All right. Uh, I just want Polly, to... Polly <laughs> falling in the snow. I, I think I watched it four times. <laughs> All right, I I just want to read this speech. I I wrote it down because I wanted to read it. Before we're done with Polly, let me just read this to you. It's the best moment. In fact, I feel like when my son graduates from high school, I might just word for word write this in a card (laughs) to him. Well, it's for sure you're going to say it at my eulogy. (laughs) All right, so this is what Polly tells Rocky right before he goes in the ring. He says, I know you're kind of busy. I know you're kind of busy just now, but I want to tell you some things I never told you. I know sometimes I act stupid and I say stupid things, but you kept me around and other people would have said, drop that bum. You give me respect. You know, it's hard for me to say these kind of things because that ain't my way. But if I could just unzip myself and step out and be someone else, I want to be you. You're all heart rock. You're all heart rock. And then they kiss. <laughs> is there a better moment in film is there a better moment in cinema history good god it's poetry there's, there's no better use of the word on zip <laughs> it's and you know what you know who wrote this stallone sly stallone wrote this yeah it's yeah. a little bit goofy because it's like okay i'm gonna write this this is what Polly really thinks of rocky and i do think that there's a sense of stallone where he's thinking you know, I kind of am Rocky. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm the best of Rocky, for sure. And there's a little blurring between sort of reality and fiction, and even so much so that apart from Muhammad Ali, who's a real boxer, is there a more famous boxer in history than Rocky Balboa, who is a fictional boxer? Right, I mean, there's a statue. <laughs> there's an actual statue... I mean, it, there's there's a sense in which, yeah, Rocky is fictional, but Sly Stallone is Rocky, right? He kind of counts, yeah. right? I mean, it's a it, it's such a the, the Rocky and Rocky Balboa himself is such a cultural touchstone, right? I mean, it's kind of bizarre, right? And you don't like we you know, we don't have statues of Superman, <laughs> <laughs> right? But there's a statue of a character that's not real. <laughs> it's, it, 
and it's it's a prominent statue. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Muhammad Ali used to say they couldn't find a white boy to beat me, so they invented one. And he, and I mean, how many statues of Muhammad Ali have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they exist, but I don't know how many people are traveling to him like they are. It's not as famous as the one in Philadelphia, Rocky, for sure. I mean, I, yeah, of course they exist, but it's kind of goofy that there's <laughs> yeah. Statue. No, and yeah, so the I mean, Rocky is it's it's a fascinating study, right? And especially like talk about the journey and where how you get from one to four, mm-hmm. um, and. And I was always, and this was like I was always Rocky Five was the worst. Rocky Five was the worst. That was kind of my because I, I remember seeing Rocky Five in the theater, and going, you know. Uh, but then it, when I went back to revisit Rocky Four, I'm like, oh, don't sleep on Rocky Four as being the worst. Um, it's it's way more entertaining for one thing. So this is something that we will discuss when we uh, uh, watch <laughs> Superman Three, <Sure. laughs> um, because Superman Three and Rocky Four to me are, are, are fairly similar in in terms of how they're constructed and where they fit in their in their respective yeah. universes and whereas Superman 4 and Rocky 5 are very like like they're they might not be as bad as Superman 3 and Rocky 4 in some ways but those other the others are way more entertaining like Rocky 4 has I mean I'll still quote Rocky 4 I mean you know I must break you if he dies he dies there's like great great line and of course I mean there's the final scene which is without question the goofiest part of this film and this is a film that has talking robots <laughs> this is a film that watches a guy let his buddy die and then we just forget about it immediately <laughs> it tries to tie in the whole notion of change right like yeah. we talked about like the yeah. idea that people can't change and so what happens is the ultimate change like we changed as viewers i mean i changed because i watched two different movies um <laughs> But it's just like, so they try, like, Stallone does something, and, and it's an ambitious effort after what we just went through to try to, like, well, how would how would the Rocky from Rocky, the original, uh, deal with this situation? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, let's just pretend that that's a trajectory that makes sense. Yeah. He tries to sort of simplify everything through the, the Rocky Balboa lens, sort of with this little haphazard, but but sincere and supposedly like sweet moment that becomes also powerful and it is just an absolute misfire okay all right that's good one of my favorite misfires in the history of film (laughs) all right so last night uh you know we watched the movie my wife and i are in bed we're about to she she's like dozing off and she says i don't get it like he says that they changed but i don't feel like he changed at all and it was almost like she was a little bit disconcerted by it. <laughs> it was like she might dream about it at this point because it's sort of like. <laughs> and I was thinking about it. I was thinking, you know what? That's it's kind of true. Like he said, we don't change. We're fighters. We don't change. And then he goes and he fights. And then he says he changed. So did he change right. at all? And then that brings me back to my conspiracy theory. <laughs> I think he defects. I think he becomes a communist at this point. <laughs> uh, well, I think, I think Rocky Five changed. does. 
Rocky Five does a really good job, I think, of helping us understand that speech like, without really realizing it's doing that because <laughs> it doesn't it opens exist. Up with, I, I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to talk about Rocky Five because how Rocky Rocky Five does exactly what Rocky Four does, which is like let's play the last part of the previous movie uh, to the beginning again, somehow shortening an already very short short film. <laughs> Like, a good chunk of the movie is a different movie. What and... happened was Stallone came in. He's like, I'm done. He's like, dude, <laughs> this is, like, not even an hour. Uh, all right, let's add some scenes that we've... We'll just do a lot of montages. Dude, this has to be at least 90 minutes. Let's do another montage. Wait, let's just... Let's put the previous movies in this movie. Would that do it? Yeah, that would do it. What? Yeah, so Rocky Five opens with the ending of that, and then he's in the uh, locker room afterwards. Uh, I can't stop my hands from shaking. And you're like, oh, he's got brain damage. Well, that explains the speech. <laughs> Is there a trope, I mean, a cliche, or a device that you enjoyed in this movie, Steve? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the entire third act. <laughs> it's just him boxing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's him. It, it almost. It, yeah, you know what? It's funny. It's like it's you know Rocky was sort of famous for undermining the expectations of the audience. the uh, The audience wanted to see him go the distance, right? Right. In this case, he does go the distance, but he wins. Right. And and that mm-hmm. and maybe that was sort of a different way to undermine expectations. But it's it's absolutely cliche. And I will watch it over and over again. It's beautiful. Oh, everything with like just the, the boxing announcers, like basically just narrating the the final act is, is is pretty amazing. It's just it's just totally works. It's you know, they're talking. Like, oh, he's he's unfazed by the audience. Oh, Drago's also unfazed. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> with the most just haphazard. Uh, and it's and then when Polly like when he starts to 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 fight back and and Polly's getting all excited and it's just like it's like we've seen like those could have been from the previous movie as well. I mean, it's nothing new under the sun here. But it and it's like great. This is what I like. I'd like to see this. Is there one tweak that you would make to this movie to improve it? Maybe one more montage. (laughs) I would like to see a full two-hour movie. I would like it to just include another montage. (laughs) I don't want a training montage. I want to see a Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad-esque montage of Polly programming the robot. I just love the idea. I want to see him sitting down with the the coding book. (laughs) Pouring over it, like inviting a scientist to his house, like angrily writing on one of these clear whiteboards that no one ever uses, but you need them in math movies. I want to see him behind one of those. I want to see a full five minutes of Polly becoming a MIT grad. That's what I want. He's just he's just getting more and more frustrated with his assistant. That's just not getting it. No, more, more passion. I wanted to be able to call me sport. That's my girl. You're welcome. It's a nice song. It's my favorite. You're the greatest. See you, sport. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, another montage yeah. would do it. I love, I mean, I just love that Russia 
in all of the uh, like this movie's critiquing the entire nation, right? I mean, we're supposed to. This is our enemy. You throwing gummy worms at him for crying out loud, <laughs> and and they're they get moved with no in the ring it was two guys killing each other. But I guess that's better than twenty million. If I can change, you can change. Everybody can change. That's so awesome. Is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard film? So, logically, this is a Ron Howard minus three, but uh, spiritually, it's a Ron Howard plus 11. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, a Ron minus two one or two uh there's no way ron howard would wouldn't improve this movie um (laughs) if he had his hands on it for sure but here's the thing it is the kind of movie that ron howard i think could really do well right i think what happens is ron howard makes a movie a much more interesting movie from the beginning but might not give us that same electricity that we needed at the end (laughs) <laughs> is there a it certainly feels like it was directed by two people at different times it certainly does yeah um at, at one point the ai achieved consciousness and just took over direction <laughs> um, i also learned today that the at one point james brown toured with the robot oh my lord so this one it it won five golden raspberry awards worst actor for stallone <laughs> worst supporting actress for Brigitte Nielsen. <laughs> worst, worst director. Oh, he directed worst, as well. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I think he directed two, three, and four. Uh, worst new star Nielsen, um, and worst musical score. It received nominations for worst picture, worst supporting actress, worst supporting actor, and worst screenplay. <laughs> It's amazing. And made millions of yeah. dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. Hearts on fire. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what an amazing achievement. Something.
cocoon of horror. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>